Okay, hello everybody and welcome to Investing with IBD for August 14th, 2019. I'm your host, Arusha Pierce, and with me in the studio today is Amy Smith. <laughs> Hi, Arusha. <laughs> <laughs> She's a national speaker, author, former host of the IBD Investing Show. Mm-hmm. She was with the, Matt. the with original Matt. gangster. Co, the, co, the, co, the co with my with my buddy Matt. Yeah, exactly, yes. Matt Galgani. And also the, the market wrap videos, too. Yes. You did that for a number of years. Mm-hmm. So it's great to have you here, Amy. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I've And you have me on a day when the Dow's down 800. Oh, yeah, no, perfect uh, I timing. want it to be exciting, right, to come <laughs> in and talk about it. <laughs> exactly. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about, unfortunately, we'll talk a little bit about the markets. Yes. Uh, but uh, we'll talk about investing at a black belt level. And we will, of course, end the episode with a few current stocks. But before we get into the market, because I know, Amy, you love talking about when the markets when they're down 800 on the Dow, <laughs> let's get into your background <laughs> and how you got into investing. Because uh, you've been doing this for a long time. We've known each other for, for a, long a long time. time. Yeah, yeah, before IBD. Right. Uh, but how did you get into IBD and into investing? In the strangest way that you would never believe, of <laughs> course. So I was doing a lot of fitness training. And someone asked me about this product called Relive. Now, there's a thousand supplements on the market now, but at the time, it was kind of a, one of the early ones. So I went and I said, well, I don't know. It's traded on the stock exchange. I guess I better go look something up about it. So I went to the newsstand and there was an IBD there. And I said, oh, Investor's Business Daily. Okay. So I picked it up. And inside, when I was looking up, the, you know, because I had no idea, ticker symbols, how to look stuff up, nothing at all. So there was an ad come see Bill O'Neill free. Uh, there was a, an event in the Valley. And so I went and then everything made sense to me. Like every single thing that he said about the stock market, but it was good for me because my slate was clean. Mm-hmm. I didn't have like value investing in my head. I was, it was really a clean slate. So I believed everything that he said. Yeah. And I took my pen, he made us mark up the paper. He made us circle parts in the paper, like new highs, That's stocks awesome. that were breaking out. And I, of course this was the nineties. So I went home and I said, oh, my God, this works. This is so fabulous. It really <laughs> works. And my husband said, this is amazing. And that went all the way till the year 2000. And then we know what happened in 2000. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to go back and really learn. That I think at that point, weren't, weren't we both on the same curve there? Yeah. We had to really go back and learn how to invest, really read the charts, really do the work. Because it wasn't just stocks making new highs and all the tech names and everything. It got yeah. a lot harder after that. Oh, yeah. 2000 was... Uh a, a nice wake-up call. <laughs> it's yes, like, wait it a minute. They, you mean the stocks don't always go up? Go up, I know. <laughs> wait, what happened to my portfolio? Right, exactly. Yeah, right, right. And then, you know, it was reared. So I, I joined Santa Monica Meetup, and that's yeah. how you and I met. And right. we were there for years and years and years right. together. Uh, and one time, Bill O'Neill came, and I was helping out up front. Mike Scott was presenting. And so Bill was in the back, and he said, is that, is that, Bill O'Neill back there? Is that Bill? Yeah, he, just, he didn't tell anyone. No, that gonna, he just showed he up. He just showed up like an attendee and, and sat in the back. In the back, right? but everybody recognized him. And so <laughs> if there was like this murmur that went through the meetup, you know, that Bill was there. Uh, and so anyway, we, we talked for a long, long time outside. I got to know him a little bit. Then I got to know, you know, the Marketsmith folks used to use Santa Monica Meetup right. as guinea pigs yep. quite a bit for testing. So I got to know a lot of people here at IBD. And one day they called me and they said, would you like a job? And I said, well, I, I'm enjoying investing. And they said, well, you can do both. 
why don't you come here and do both? So that's that's how I ended up here. And and, and one of your jobs was to help grow the meetups. Yeah. Right? So Bill and I, that was, you know, looking back on it when you're working so hard, you don't realize how much you're learning. Right. But opening up the 50 meetups with Bill and hearing him speak repeatedly over yes. and over again, it was the repetition of that that just, it was an amazing time of learning. And plus, I got to spend so much time with Bill and look at charts and talk about stuff. So we opened up 50 and then... We started attacking, you know, the whole U.S. along with my uh, previous coworker here that opened up a lot. So, yeah, opening the meetups is a lot of fun too. Yeah, and, and then uh, and then you wrote a book. You, you wrote the How to Make Money in Stocks Success yep. Stories. What what was that? That was in about uh, 2011. Right? Yes, mm -hmm. there. So, if you have a suggestion, be careful if you go to your boss and you suggest something to them. And they like the idea because then you have to go do it. <laughs> you have to go write the book. I said, Bill, you know, we've never written about our success stories. Yeah. And so let's write about the people that have done so well. And I said, I wanted beginners, intermediate, advanced people, hedge fund managers. And, uh, you know, it just ended up, he said, I love the idea. Go do it. So I wrote this book in four months. Wow. Yeah, which meant I was working here full time, and I went home at night, and I wrote, and I researched, and so it was it was a fast four months. Yeah, and it was a great learning lesson because a lot of this, the the people you speak to spoke to in the book, right, who were interviewed, uh, I mean, great learning lessons there. Yeah, there are. Uh, yeah, and, really and a are. lot of times the best way to learn is to learn from others who are along the path, not not always at the top. They've yes. reached the the peak, right. but you know they're along that path and and they're stumbling and learning from the mistakes, and you can learn along with them. So Absolutely. it's a great book. If you don't have it, it's it's the one that can help you get through the learning curve a little bit quicker. And you get to see what mistakes they made, and yep. you know how you can correct your own mistakes and what they've been through. And it now there's some really great lessons in the book. So I, I was very privileged to feel like I got a chance to do it. So and it was a lot of fun. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, now let's uh, let's talk about something that's not as much fun. Okay. Are we <laughs> are we moving into the we, markets? We are. Well, that, that, was, okay. that was that was a, my that was little, a little segue. segue. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Uh, well. So the, the markets weren't weren't uh, very fun today, and and so the mo most indexes were down three percent, yes, or so. Uh, but what made them even less fun was yesterday. We had a oh, follow through day. Exactly. Now this looked like a textbook follow through day too, because with the Nasdaq was up one point nine five percent, S and P was up two point two. We had volume higher across the board. All of the major indexes were up. It looked like it was uh, it, it was a good follow through day, right. with a couple of exceptions that I'm going to get into because I didn't buy it. Yeah, I, I wish I could say the same thing, but I did buy it. But re really, just to make sure everyone's on the same page, the follow through day is a signal that okay, maybe the markets. Are starting a new uptrend right. here, and and so this is the, the this is the signal we look for now. As as we all learn, mm -hmm. not all fall through days are going right. to work. That's but right. if there are things to buy, if there's something to buy, you want to put some money to work so you get that feedback. And right. unfortunately, if you put some money to work yesterday. You got a little bit of that feedback today to you the negative the, downside. You got the, you got the so, feedback. Oh, no, exactly. maybe we're not in an uptrend. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, so so we had a distribution day. We did. Uh, on the NASDAQ. On the NASDAQ, we had a distribution mm -hmm. day. And usually when you get a distribution day in the, what, the first three days after fall through day, pretty it, it decreases the odds of it uh, be, succeeding. Uh, succeeding. Mm -hmm. And then uh, also I was talking to Justin Nielsen, who's been on the podcast a number of times, and he was the longtime assistant of Bill O'Neill. Right. He's learned a lot. Right. Uh, for their market school uh, 
a study that they did right. over studying falter days and distributions and all that stuff. Uh, he he uh, told me today that yeah, if you have the, the next day, if it undercuts the low of that falter day, that's also another reason um, to to be more cautious right. at this point. Right. Um, so right. so the odds of this falter day actually working are, are definitely less. Does does not necessarily mean that's a hundred percent going right. to fail, but right. You want to be a little bit more cautious and uh, uh, make sure you have, you're more on the sidelines than not. Well, and this has been really a choppy news-driven market anyway. Yeah. You could say kind of it's tweet-driven. You could say that it's been tariff-driven. Uh, it's been able to turn on a dime. Part of the problem was, even with the follow-through day yesterday, we the NASDAQ was still hitting that resistance at the 50-day. We still were, the NASDAQ was below 8,000. Uh, you know, we had this light volume recovery, and I wanted to kind of speak to that. That's not necessarily, I've seen on some of the threads, people discussing that, yeah, it was, it, we've, we sold off. If you take a look, for instance, of the chart, in the NASDAQ, you can see the much heavier sell-off. And on the way up, we haven't had as much upside volume. Yeah. However, if you go back to December, when we took off off the bottom, there were look at the volume. As you, We're looking at our charts right here. Uh, you can see the heavy volume sell-off. And we did not get the upside volume that you would anticipate on the way up. So a, an uptrend can work even though you don't have continued upside volume. True, true. Now, with, with the, at the end of December, that was really kind of a, a third wave down. It was. Uh, and so you had, even that, when we had that from September to December of 2018, there were two falter days that failed, mm-hmm. and then the third one worked. Right. Uh, and and so then it was rallying on lower volume there. But you really had, a, in the end, that third kind of wave down where you went into with December 24th, the Christmas Eve massacre, exactly, right? right? Where you had, you really had kind of a capitulation. Everyone threw in the towel at that right, point. Right, at that point. Here we're kind of still new highs and stuff like that. So, so it's, it's a little bit different. The, the other thing that you see, when we came off the bottom in December, you, you know, part of it is we look at how many stocks in the entire market are really working and how many stocks are taking off. And, you know, I have to say yesterday, you know, we're supposed to buy something on the follow-through day. We had zero stocks on the market Smith screens that we run, zero stocks breaking out. Mm-hmm. Near the pivot, we had only five. Right. It that was are close. Low. It was yeah. really a lean group of stocks. Yeah. Uh, the the recent breakout screen that we run in MarketSmith came up with 15 stocks. And even though those aren't really falling apart, they're not making a lot of headway either. So that tells you what's going on in the general market. Yeah, yeah. So so you had that. Now, another thing was that it, with that correction that we had, and maybe we're going to continue this correction, uh, it wasn't a long correction. Right. It, it, it was a short amount of time. So it wasn't a lot of time to build basis. But right. now maybe we take now another maybe. leg down. <laughs> another leg down, maybe we have, <laughs> have more time uh, to build bases. Well, Lee Tanner, of course, Moses of the meetups that we know, <laughs> he pointed out that there have been six, this is a little bit outside of Kansas, but there's been six Hindenburg omens in the last couple of weeks. And that's an indicator of how many stocks are making new highs and new lows. Oh, okay. So what you have is a really bifurcated market, and that means that there's indecision. So you have some stocks making new highs. You have a whole group of others making new lows. Right. It doesn't show that the professional investors are really convinced which way to go in the current market. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, stock pickers market. I, I think that, yeah. that, that that's for sure. It's a nar- narrowing leadership, so you have to be that much better at picking the stocks. But the good news is that 
when you're studying this system, uh, Canslim does a great job of identifying those leading stocks. Absolutely. And, you know, people should not walk away just because the market's choppy, because you and I both know it can turn on a dime. Uh, a lot of things can happen. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the inverted yield curve, right. but even with the, in, the yield curve did invert. We usually have about 22 months, even if we're going to go into a recession. The average is 22 months. Bef we have a good market before we get into a recession. So people should not walk away now if we still have 22 months, theoretically. Right. Still now, now the nice thing is when you look at price and volume every day and every week, uh, you don't necessarily have to worry about those larger macro. You keep it in the back of your mind, but you still let the market tell you what to do yes. because if we get out fall through day again or say say we take another leg down then we get another fall through day yes. guess what i'll try it again if there's something to buy right you know because one of those are going to work and then you start getting that feedback yes on, Ab onto the upside absolutely i'm, I'm not going to we're not going to talk about the inverted yield curve but unfortunately it has been accurate the last 50 years Oh, yeah. So, so and, this is something that right. we do have to watch and pay attention to. But it, it doesn't mean that we just go away from the market. That's usually what happens. People get worn out. And about the time they get worn out, as you just mentioned, in December, then that's when the market will take off again. So it, it's a good time to study, too. If the market is choppy, it's a good time to go do all your work, get caught up, keep your watch list up to date. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So the market right now is under pressure. And uh, we're not. You what know, we're in that indecisive moment that Amy's been talking about right here. Next couple of weeks are going to be critical to yes. see if this rally can regain its footing can or we take the next leg down. Absolutely. So, so let's take a quick break. But when we return, we're going to talk about what we need to do for all all of us. What we need to do to take our investing to the next level. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, it's Arusha here. Now first, I wanna thank everyone for listening to the show. We are always interested in hearing your feedback and we've, we've created a survey to get your thoughts. Uh, we wanna know what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, and also how we can improve. So if you're interested in taking this survey, please go to investors.com slash podcast survey to give us your thoughts. We're back with Amy Smith on investing with IBD. So, Amy, let's get into investing and how you get to a black belt level. Which, of course, we know that we all want to be. Well, one of the themes, uh, my kids were both black belts. They are black belts in Taekwondo. So I decided that to write the book, I would do, well, what about if we were like white belt investors and then yellow belts and we have to do our testing and we yeah. go up and then we become black belt investors. And, of course, those are at the very end. I have hedge fund managers and people like that. So how do we become black belts? Well, I guess the first thing that we all do is you know, we have to study. But I thought this uh, Muhammad Ali quote is in my book. Uh, Champions aren't made in gyms. Champions are made from something they have deep inside them, a desire, a dream, a vision. They have to have the skill and the will, but the will must be stronger than the skill. That that's a perfect quote for investing. <laughs> <laughs> have to have that will. You do, power. yeah, and, and hopefully that you know mm -hmm. everyone's having that will, especially with this disappointment over today. You know, and and it, it's not easy, especially these last number of months right. hasn't been easy in the market. Yeah, right. you do have to have that will to kind of keep fighting through, and and you know knowing that there is going to be a better day. 
a better trend out there to, to make money. And make sure that you have your rules and everything. I guess the first thing, I took different key points that some of the black belt investors said. You know, first of all, there's a learning curve, so you have to dig in. Yep. You've got to do the work. You've got to do the education. If you're going to be a tennis player, this goes back to like what Bill always said to us, you know, you have to practice. So the first thing would be to dig in and do the education and read the books. There is a learning curve. And always be prepared for the next great stock. So that's part of our routine to yep. stay on top of things yep. and things like that. Uh, latch onto a big winner, winner and ride it like Bill. Now that's easier said than that done, Russia, right? Is, yeah, <laughs> that that one is definitely easy. that was the harder one. Yeah, because it, it's funny when you're going through that learning curve. Mm -hmm. yeah, the first couple of years, you're going to get down the buying part, right? Right. And you, you're going to be in a lot of these uh, great, gr the next great growth stocks, right? Like everyone else's. It's just can it's, you hold yeah, it? The managing. It's that's a managing the it. Part. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's a hard part for everybody. Um, look for new trends. There's always some new trend out there. There always is. You have the shoes, solar technology. What are the gotta have it items? You know, the square. I would see the taxi drivers when I would travel using the square on yeah. top of the, their phone. So yeah. I said, that's that's like everyone's using it. Uh, Uggs boots. I remember when my daughter was in middle school and I was like, what are all those boots that everybody's wearing? She's like, those are Uggs. And I ran home and I realized that Decker's Outdoor was selling them and Decker's stock took off. Yeah. Because, you know, that's that I, I remember when I moved to Los Angeles in 2007, I was from Boston. I, I couldn't believe that there were all these women walking around in Uggs boots. Uggs boots. Like, yeah, they're like the, the snow boots. They, yes. they look like, it's like, why is everyone walking around <laughs> right. in 85 degrees? Because they're cool. It, yeah. <laughs> because they're cool, Arisha. That's why. Yeah, I, I had to learn that. That was my first <laughs> L.A. lesson. Um, Triple-digit earnings, that was something that, that we keyed in here. Yeah. And, you know, LinkedIn, for example. Before it took off, it had six out of seven quarters of triple-digit earnings and sales. So when you see a stock like that, it, which is it, those are the rare, rarefied yep. ones, yep. Uh, that's something to look for. Uh, learn from your mistakes and missed opportunities. And of course, that I'm sure you've done lots of webinars uh, on post-analysis. Yeah, for sure, and uh, definitely have had made plenty of mistakes on that. And sometimes you have to make the mistakes over and over again. Right. Uh, before you say, oh, you know what, there's probably a learning lesson here that I probably have to stop doing. Right. Am I buying a little bit too early? Exactly. Am yeah. I selling a little bit too late? Right. Am I, you know, what is it that I, that I'm, do I have a pet stock that I've got to keep that yeah. I won't let go of? Uh, so know when to go to cash or at least reduce your exposure, which, you know, when you have a market like what we had today, you know, there's, there's, cash is a position. And there's no harm in pulling back a little bit. If you're if you buy something and it's not working, that's why we have sell rules, right. so that it protects you and you're safe in the market. Yeah, and and the market's going to give you feedback all the time. Yes, it's it, it, you just have to learn to listen to the market. And right. And in the beginning of the year, you know, when the markets were trending well, you were right a lot. Anything you bought was going up for the most part. Right. Over the last few months, you've been wrong a lot more, or you've been struggling. It's been harder right. to. Uh, keep keep uh, hitting new highs in your equity curve, and instead you're giving back, and you're giving a lot back at times too. And that's what happens. I mean, you and I both have been doing this long enough. You know, when it's easy in the beginning of a new uptrend, after you've had a correction, maybe a bear market, it seems like everything's working, right. and your investing is going well, and the portfolio is looking great. And you know, the longer you are in the trend, 
it gets a little choppy yeah. when you get to the top, and things are more difficult. So don't let that discourage you if that's been happening to you. Uh, avoid emotional trading, which is this is why we have rules, because a day like today can make you extremely emotional. Absolutely. I mean, you can go, oh, my God, you know, the Dow's down so much. So you have to be careful about that. Uh, know the story of a stock. That's a big one. That, that's yeah. a huge one. Yeah, you're, you're never going to hold on to a stock uh, because there are going to be plenty of times where – the markets are going to come in pretty hard, right? And but in the and 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 that's a, the the hardest part is not necessarily it's one one of your stocks pulling back. It's that all of your stocks pull back right, at the, at same, the same time, time, right? Exactly. And and so uh, ha- knowing what stocks to hold on to, right? And what stocks to cut, right? You know that all comes down to understanding the stories. Which ones are the game changing? That's right. Ones. That's right. We're going to have garden variety stocks, and I, I'm all for buying the garden variety ones. Right. Well, you know what we're really looking for are the game changers. But the problem is, you're not going to have a portfolio completely full of game changers. Right. I, I think you want to be cautious about that. Maybe you want to have some of the big cap twenty stocks so that your portfolio is a little bit more stable. Yeah. Which I guess that gets into more portfolio management. But uh, speaking of the PMs, the portfolio managers, when I interviewed Mike and Charles, two of the the elders here, uh, when you enter a stock, always have a plan. And that's something, you know, over the meetups, we talk about this a lot. You know, when are you going to buy? When are you holding? What is your, when are you going to sell? What is your, what do you hope to gain? And of course, most of the time with CanSlim, we know it's 20 to 25%. But, you know, you may have a stock like Square, and you may not be taking profits at 20 to 25% because you realize you have a big winner on your hands. Right. So it's knowing how to handle those better, the bigger winning stocks. Yeah, and, and it doesn't have to be all or none. Uh, if, if you have Square and you're up 20% and you want to take some, right. but you know that it's also a game changer stock, take some off the table. Take some, right. right. Hold hold some, and now if it pulls back, at least you sold some. Right. And then that one goes up. Yeah, right. you still right. have some, right? And and so at least that keeps you in the game, allows you to ebb and flow, and you don't have to be right all the time. No, too. you don't. You know, Bill, that's so, so funny. In most of my talks with him, he said, you know, I was like a B or C student. I, you know, I'm not a genius. So I think we could maybe debate that. But, you know, he just said, I have my rules. And he does not, he can be wrong so many times in the yeah. market. And he just will sell. You know, he'll come in and he would have talked with me about a stock and I'll say, oh, what about so-and-so? I said, oh, that that was two weeks ago. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm on something else now. Right. So if it doesn't work, you know, you just have to, you just have to realize that and make the changes. Yeah, let's get into that routine a little bit. So say we go into a correction right here. Right. Uh, now, what's what's the normal reaction for for a a white belt or a yellow belt, right? right. They're 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 gonna they're gonna put their head in the sand or they're gonna right. walk away. Oh, this investing is hard. Right. Where someone who's more experienced realizes, I need to keep that routine. I need to keep doing my routine regardless of market environment. It's better, you know. It's funny. My kids went to Catholic grade school, and you know, the the sister, the principal, used to say, "Every do, everybody does better with a routine." Mm-hmm. And be consistent about what you do, you know. So I think uh, I think even Jesse Livermore said that you know, traders need to be like athletes in many ways. You follow, you watch your eating, you watch your exercising, you do your regular routine, and you just kind of keep doing it no matter what the market is doing. So true. Yeah, which is easier said than done. If like it between is. 2000 and 2003, yeah, it was kind of a tough period of time. Exactly. But uh, okay, you already talked about some of this assessing your strengths and your weaknesses. 
and you were talking about some of the things when you do a post analysis yeah. that's when we can see what our strengths and what our weaknesses are that's always the post analysis is always the hardest thing I yes think, for, from experience it's kind of but painful ago, to see what you did yeah yeah You're like, what was i thinking <laughs> but it was a good stock yes exactly it was a great well, stock <laughs> exactly why do i keep getting in and out of this stock right and stuff like that yeah. right 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 um detaching your ego from yeah. your trading which is you know we can go through a period of time where we're trading so well and like, oh, we're just trading so, so well. And then that can make your ego inflate. And, you know, maybe you tell your spouse or somebody that you're doing well, which is a bad idea. Right. And then you kind of keep trying to do well instead of al allowing what the market is going to give you. Yep. Uh, so that's you've got to get your ego out of the way. Uh, the best traders are detached from their results. So even if you get 800% gain, try to detach yourself from that and focus on, you know, another thing. Here's something that a lot of people talk about in the meetups, a written trading plan. Yeah. That, do you have some one. of your rules written down? Right. Yeah. So so I, I do have a number of my rules written down. Um, and, yeah, so you have to do that. It's kind of like goals, too, right? Writing down your goals and all that. Right. Um, yeah. So taking the time to do that. It's a big part. And then also following your rules. Yes, but you, know. you have to follow. Right. Well, you know what, Bill, when some of the guys were young, some of the, the young uh, portfolio managers, he would have them take their written trading plan and read it every morning before Smart. the market opened. Yeah. So they were really in touch with what they were supposed to right. be doing, yep. which is really great. Well, we could we could go on and on, I'm sure, about all of this. I mean, I, I thought about some other things. Maybe next time we talk about things I've learned from Bill. Right. Uh, some of the things I've, I've heard him speak so many times, some of those things. We could talk about some of the articles he did in the paper where he really took us through the things he's looking for. Yeah, uh, yeah. In, in, in the end, it's it's... It's uh, it's not a surprise, right? Right. It, it doesn't matter if you're training or boxing or, or you're a martial artist. Right. Really, the core concepts are the same. You got to have good routines, good habits, and you know just those best practices, and right. learn from mentors too. Right. And and that's going to help you take it to the next level. And so, in investing, make sure you have those good routines down, good habits, that training yes. plan written down. Yes. And and that you're going to start seeing that improvement. When the markets are actually ready to hand out money, That's the markets right. are not always ready That's right. to, to hand out money. Uh, so remember, corrections are opportunities. So if we go back on a correction, they truly are opportunities as long as you're protecting yourself. So don't drift That's too right. far away uh, when the markets are disappointing or things are going uh, not as well. And you know, I had one more tip. Uh, you know, some people always ask me, well, how do you know where the market is going? How do you know? If you go through the MarketSmith Growth 250, that's one great way to see what the what all the stocks are telling us. But another thing you can do is to go through the IBD, the list, go through the IBD 50, the Big Cap 20, the sector leaders, go through those lists and take a look. Are the stocks setting up in basis? Are they already extended? Are they trying to break up and not going anywhere? So they're fizzling. Does that mean there's a problem in the market? If, if these breakouts were working, that's how we know we have a successful follow-through day. We have a whole bunch of stocks. They're all taking off together. Stocks are breaking out. The indexes are working. That's when we're in a good rally. Exactly. And, and that's going to tell, tell us the environment, yes. the underlying strength or weakness of the environment. So speaking of current stocks, they're going to come up next after this. So stay tuned. Want to find stocks like the ones on this podcast? A lot of the best names we talk about come from IBD's exclusive stock lists, like the IBD 50 and the Big Cap 20. Whatever type of investor you are, we got a list for you. You can access every one of IBD's lists, plus stock ratings, exclusive analysis, and one-on-one -on -one coaching with a membership to IBD Digital. It costs less than a dollar a day, 
But for podcast listeners, we're offering an even better price. Go to Investors.com slash podcast offer right now and get your first two months for only $20. Amy Smith is our guest on Investing with IBD. And so, Amy, let's take this a little bit further and get into some current stocks. Some stocks, yes, absolutely. And there are some, you know, we so we don't want to be negative Nancys here. So there, no, th- and this is where the opportunity this, is, right? Exactly. Which ones are holding holding up? The up. Best? Exactly. Yeah. So the, you know, and a lot of stocks actually did hold up today, which was you know was kind of positive. So the first stock we're going to look at is Roku, Roku Inc. And yep. you want to tell us a little yep. bit more about that? Yeah. Rich? So ticker symbol is R O K U. And you know this is you know, and, and there's this whole phenomenon that's this whole trend. You talked about trends right. in, in segment two, uh, the cord cutting trend. Yes. Right over the last like seven eight years, uh, oh everyone's cutting cable. Right. And all the, all this stuff. And Roku is one of the beneficiaries of this, uh, where they have they have their little device that that you can just plug into your TV. You can get a lot of these apps on it. They're kind of the neutral device. Right. So you're not necessarily committed to Apple or Amazon. Right. Uh, you can get your Netflix on it. So uh, they've really built up a, a pretty strong following. It, it's pretty amazing. They, they've been a, they were one of the first devices to come out. And then all of a sudden, you know, Apple got into the, the space. Amazon mm-hmm. got into the space. But Roku's kind of fended them off and... and they Surprisingly, just have a, in a crowded field, a very crowded in a very field. Crowded, yeah, you know, Disney. I mean, with with so many of these different right. choices out here. Yeah, yeah. So they they've just they made it their own. You know. So when right. you think of cord cutting, you think of Roku a lot of times. Right. Right. Uh, so they have they've developed this really strong brand name over the last number of years. They've integrated their services right into the TV, so you don't even need the devices anymore. All right, by the way, do you have? I have one of those little devices. We have like I think we have four different controllers <laughs> to go back and forth on our TV. Yeah. So, you know, it would be nice to not have four. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Roku could solve some of those problems for you, Amy. Uh, but uh, so it, it's just an easy way to get access to a lot of your normal TV sessions right. uh, that you could get it before. Uh, they have been one of the best stocks in in the market right. over over the last, what, three, four months. Uh, really over the last year when, when you when you look at their their, their chart. Uh, but uh, probably one of the best stocks over over the last month or so. Well, and what's kind of impressive here, Roosh, so we, we've got a consolidation, a first-stage consolidation. We've got a breakout here in May uh, 2019, this year. And so, yeah, they broke, out, they, broke on, out. they broke out on May 9th. May 9th. Right. And then we, so we had a nice run. It stayed well above the 50-day, yep. uh, holding nice and tightly above there. And then it really jumped up recently as it reported earnings. Now, yep. we, have to, we have to comment here. There's a couple of stocks that we see once in a while. They do not have earnings numbers, but they have the sales numbers. Yeah, actually, a lot, a, lot of the, a lot of the cloud stocks this past year right, were doing that. Right, have the sales numbers, yeah. not the earnings numbers. So we have a little bit outside of Can Slim here. Now, one thing I want to point out is when they reported earnings here, they had an earnings beat of 63%. And it is the earnings surprise yeah. that will cause these massive viable gap ups. Yep. But this was a viable gap up, actually, even though it was it was in not a proper base, but it was it was pulling back to the 50 day. So you could have gotten it off the 50 day there. Uh, and of course, we had massive volume that came in as the stock was moving higher. That's a sign of the institutional buying. And we have the accumulation distribution rating of an A minus, which yep. tells you that that's been under institutional uh, buying. One, the only weakness here, even though it's a, a hot group, as you were describing, Rush, it's 
the the group strength is a little bit weak. It's like a C minus. Usually we yeah. have groups that are a little bit stronger than that. Yeah. But but this is like the stock in the group. This is the the one to look at. That's true. They're 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 in the leisure movies and related industry group. And and out of 197, they're ranked 128. So yeah. So so sometimes you have kind of the one, the one star stock yes. that can overcome everything and you know even though they're in the leisure movies group right they're probably not really with all the other members <laughs> no, right because right. they're, they're more kind of the you know like the gold rush everyone's right. going after the gold the ones who made the money were the the right. picks and shovels right yes they're the ones kind of like saying yeah it doesn't matter what what uh, program you want right. to subscribe to netflix or disney right we can give them all to all you all to you right? yeah and that solves a big problem it really does now this is also a newer ipo uh in september 2017 so Oftentimes we will see, you know, those newer IPOs that are there's some of the stocks that end up popping in the market. Yep. So this one is a, an interesting stock, and I, I wanted to point out here it had an up down volume ratio of 1.8. You want to speak to that? To the uh, it's something I look at at MarketSmith all the time, and it's something that actually in my book that a lot of the the, the real black belt investors yeah. said that they pay great attention to that up down volume ratio. Uh, this, these are like the game changers. Yeah. These are the ones that are really on the move. So maybe tell yeah. us what the up-down volume is. So it, it's looking at the up-down volume over the last 50 days. And so it's just putting in just an a, a, a easy ratio right there. And so 1.8 means that it's 80% more up volume than down volume right. on that. So you want over one. So one right, or over higher. One. Right. right? Uh, and so, so uh, very consistent accumulation. Uh, so it's just that nice little snapshot, as opposed to like the accumulation distribution ratings over a quarter. It's over 13 weeks. Right. Uh, so di different kind of time frames here. But yeah, I really like that up-down volume ratio. Yeah, I do too. And uh, above a 1.2 shows positive demand. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So uh, this was 1.8. That was well above that. Right. Now, Roku is extended, so you want to make sure it comes with an, an right. another base. Now, if we go into a... A, a correction, correction, or if this correction continues, right? Uh, it, you know, chances are Roku will probably come back in, maybe form another base there. And that's so when bases are formed is exactly. during corrections. So exactly. you know, base base building happens because of a correction. So corrections can be good things. Exactly. So let's go to the second stock, Solar Edge ticker symbol S E D G, and this is another stock that's done very very well. Uh, it, it you know it's one of these stocks that's saying correction what correction yeah there's you know? no correction there's not even much of a back off today I mean this is another stock this is up like 87 percent from the pivot in 79 days this one also recently uh, within the last couple of weeks had reported earnings yep. it had an earnings surprise of 13 percent again I want to emphasize that that earnings surprise it's more than what Wall Street is expecting yeah and that's when you see those viable gap ups that's usually what creates that I love MarketSmith because I can just scroll my my mouse over it and I get all this great information. We've had monster volume coming into the stock. Again, you've got your institutional buying, the accumulation distribution rating is an A, your composite rating, the IBD mm -hmm. all around is 99 here. Now in this, the energy solar, the relative strength for this market, this is an A plus. Yeah. So these energy solar stocks have been doing well, but and and it, it's pretty interesting with the what's going on with the solar. So the uh, so solar age there there are like a number of these other solar stocks here. There are providers of like solar inverse, a number of the equipment in right. the solar, not necessarily just installing the the solar panels, but so some of the the pieces, the components that go into uh, the the whole solar process. Uh, now another major competitor of theirs is Enphase, but one of the real catalysts. 
uh, that uh, and the reason why both Enphase and Solar Edge have done very, very well, well is because of the whole trade wars right. and the Chi- and the right. Chinese competition. That because there, there are a number of companies there that are providing these parts too. They've fallen off. Right. There's no more competition, right? Because of the tariffs, because of uh, Huawei right. has been essentially has been... put on the the restricted list for exactly. everything. Right. No one wants to take a ch- none of these installers, these solar installers. They don't want to take a chance of buying a Chinese product. So this worked very well yeah, for so Solar Edge. Really, yeah, so yes. for both Solar Edge and Enphase. Uh, so a lot of the U.S. solar companies have have benefited. Uh, quite a bit from the uh, these trade wars that are that are going on and now. Solar- th- now, Solar Edge isn't a U.S. based company; they're an I- Israeli company. Right, right. But as long as they're not a Chinese a Chinese company, company they're the right? They're not going to have the same tariffs. They also are really terrific at optimizing solar power. Yes. You know, it's the length of time that your solar panel works. It's not just a matter of harnessing the solar power. It's how long, even on a cloudy day, will it continue. Right. So they've really been they are a leader on optimizing that power. It's huge. Yep. Yeah, make, making the best of the you know that situation, that cloudy day. That's right. The of what we have now here, we have uh, we have earnings and sales maybe a little bit off the the Canslim edge here. However, this is kind of a turnaround story. They had a couple of quarters of negative earnings. They turned that around. They were up fifteen percent in the most recent quarter. Uh, sales were up forty three percent. So that's that's certainly they're selling. If you, yeah. If you see sales of 43%, they're selling their product. They went on a great run in 2017, too. Right. Right? It's this monster, monster run. They kind of settled down, and now you have this larger kind of catalyst. Right. Where And that's what Wall Street sometimes does. We'll get these questions on, hey, you know, they don't. this company doesn't have a lot of earnings. They have a lot of great sales, but, you know, it's not really canned slim. You right. Know, Wall Street's not always waiting for everything to be perfect. Right. Right. If and they're, they're looking if, to the future. Exactly. They're always looking out, and then they're, they're realizing, hey, there's this lar- larger catalyst. If these companies are restricted from this country, who are the beneficiaries? Right. right? And so they're doing that kind of thought process. Then they're making the decisions, and you see it on the chart. You do. And I want to point out here the up-down volume ratio is 3.6. That's a huge, That's a huge, huge number. Uh, yeah. I, I want to just say that uh, Jim Ropel that I've interviewed yeah. in my book, of course, he's been to all of our workshops many, like, I think 20 times or 25 <laughs> times, I think. Uh, he bought Google. So now we're back in 2005. And the up-down volume ratio was 2.9, and that was just a large number. It really put him on notice that he needed to pay attention to Google and when it was really moving. So, again, if we go back historically and we look at this up-down volume ratio, it's something we need to pay attention to. It's, just, it's something we don't talk about as much. Yeah, we talk about right. the accumulation distribution rating. Yeah. But this, the up-down volume, and, and you know, 3.6 is a big number. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's a very big number. You don't see that too often. Right. Let's go to our third stock here, and this is CrowdStrike, uh, ticker symbol CRWD. And they're another security stock. They are uh, based on you know built on cloud computing, so just like Zscaler and, and a few of the others that we've spoken about in the past. Uh, this is another exciting security stock that is benefiting from all the craziness the, that goes on and on it the seems web. never ending, yeah, never ending. Exactly, all the hacking <laughs> up plug, there. They pl- love it. Plug one problem, get another problem over here. So exactly. This is this is a space that's not going away. This is a newer IPO, so we um, you know, we're paying attention to this one. It had its IPO in June of this year. This one has a 2.1 in, in terms of the up down ratio. 
it's been kind of in a little bit of a range here, Arusha, as we look at it, sort of up and down a little bit more. The other two stocks that we've talked about were really rocket ships. Yeah. They were they really went up a lot. This one has, uh, it's been doing quite well. Yes. But it, it is holding, and it even held, you know, pretty well today. Yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, it broke out of an IPO base back in uh, on, on July 19th, so it broke out of that, currently 18% from it. So yeah. it's... Everything's going well. Obviously, now this is yet another uh, tech stock that does not have earnings, but they have monster, monster sales. Monster sales. Triple-digit sales. So we have even for the last four quarters here, we have 109%, 149%, 108%, and 103%. In terms of those are monster sales. We just yep. talked about the triple-digit earnings or sales, yep. and they've got it. Yep. And uh, they're they're in a strong industry group. Uh now, what this kind of threw me off right now because I just looked at the rank. It's 17 out of 197. I uh-huh. thought it would have been top five. The top, right. You know, so, right. Uh, the, but, you know, they, they're in the same group as Zscaler, Okta, CyberArk, uh, all right. these stocks that you should be pretty familiar you with if be, you're looking right. at the IBD 50 yep. and, and the big cap 20. And well, and the group still has an A minus uh, rating in terms yep. of our, our rating that's on here on MarketSmith. We have accumulation distribution of A plus. So there's been some heavy buying power that's come into this stock, although it is a little bit young. Uh, it hasn't been trading all that long. Yeah, but we, we like new merchandise. We, we, do. we want new companies that are coming out in the market. And if you don't buy that IPO base, which is there's always a little bit more risk on it, you know, keep on your watch list, let it form a more traditional base, like a cup of handle. Right. And then uh, that'll give you a chance to, to try it again. Uh, something worth noting here, there's only about 134 uh, professional investors in this, but that's because it's a new name. It's a young name. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Apple would have many thousands of funds that are right. in it. So when you see this, you say, well, gosh, that doesn't seem like there's very many funds in it. It's just because it's new. It's new, yeah, and, and, and it takes a while for a lot of these funds to get interested and then also right. even start building positions. Yes, it. absolutely. Absolutely. So those are three stocks that have done well this year and continue to hang in there during this top, choppy market. Uh, thanks, Amy, for being on the show. As always, it's great seeing you. Oh, Arusha, it was lots of fun. I'll, I'll have to come back and bother you again. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. it for this week on Investing with IBD. Next week, we are going to have Vernon Bice on the show. He's a portfolio manager at Lord Abbott. And we're going to talk about how they adapt the IBD concepts, all of these rules that we talk about, how they actually take them and adapt it to the institutional and mutual fund world. So that's it, and I'm Arusha Paris, and thanks for listening. And for this week's notes and charts, make sure to go to investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.